Welcome to the Data Bites podcast by Women in Data, where we give you your weekly bite-sized dose of career development advice, industry case studies, and career stories to help you excel in your data career. Today, I'm talking with Mei Chan, CEO of Hashback, a crypto wallet built on the Hedera Hashgraph platform. May is a leader in the Hedera ecosystem and strives to foster a community that champions the projects and people who are contributing to the space. Prior to Hashpack, she was an electrical engineer designing everything from 60-story high-rises to data centers to airport radar infrastructure. In this episode, she shares her journey to starting and leading Hashpack, explains what Web3 means for data professionals, and dives into the importance of a wallet in the crypto space. May is one of the smartest and kindest people I know, so get ready to dive into an inspirational interview that will get you excited about the future. Enjoy. May, thanks so much for coming on the Data Bytes podcast. I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time because I have a lot of personal questions that I want to ask you and then just a bunch of questions for the community. So thank you for so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Awesome. So you are what I would call as a career changer. You have now find yourself in the cryptocurrency space, but prior to that, you were an electrical engineer. Can you tell us all a little bit about your journey from electrical engineering into the crypto space, but more importantly, into founding and now being the CEO of a company? Yeah, absolutely. So I have about 10 years of experience in electrical engineering, and I did primarily building consulting. So we built giant skyscrapers, and I did some work on the Vancouver Convention Center. I did a ton of work in the airport, uh, a lot of very technical stuff, and kind of a lot of boring stuff, too, where you're making the 50-second uh, uh, residential suite in the building, and you're just like, okay, enough of this. Um, so it's a it's a very interesting job, but the good thing about it was that it was also just like a regular day job, which I didn't have to do a lot of um, overtime for. And so I spent a lot of my time doing random stuff. And so last year in March or so, I that's March 2021, I had a friend who told me, hey, do you know about cryptocurrencies and you know about Dogecoin? Like the cryptocurrencies are going off the charts now. And I had no idea. I had specifically not gone into crypto um, in the previous run. So I knew nothing about it. But this friend of mine was very enthusiastic and got me going into it. And so I went, researched it a bit, found a community that I liked. Uh, it ended up being the Hedera community for the Hedera Hashgraph platform. And uh, then I was just like tinkering around with the code base and I found it actually pretty accessible. And I said to the community, hey, does anyone want to make something? Does anyone want to like build something in our spare time or something? Um, and a few people raised their hands and we were just like, okay, well, what do we want to build? And we settled on a wallet. Um, and we just started making stuff. And it turns out that the people that raised their hands and the people that stayed on the project are also like decade long uh, professionals in their, in their fields. So we've got two developers who each have 10 years of experience and we've got a designer who is also like a lead designer. And then we've got myself, I'm 
project management and stuff. And over the summer, we just started building this thing. And we didn't really have any like big plans of, of making lots of money or like, you know, turning this into a full-time thing. It was just sort of a passion project, but we all went really into it. And by October, we launched. Um, and then since then, we've gotten tons and tons of, of uh, adoption and people like tweeting about us and, and loving the product. And we are just seeing lots of success. So then we finally got a uh, grant to help us out. And because of that, in the middle of February this year, I was able to go full time and therefore left my career of engineering of 10 years and jumped into cryptocurrency and technology and software development. So it's a complete switch. But uh, yeah, it it came about just kind of by accident, I think. We never really planned for it, but uh, <laughs> it, here we are. No, this is so inspiring and exciting. I cannot believe that it was literally just a year ago. So we are recording this in March 2022. So literally a year ago, you even got introduced to this whole world. I mean, would you even believe somebody if last year they told you, hey, in one year from now, you'll be the founder and a CEO of a cryptocurrency company having a wallet, like building out a wallet? I mean, I think I'm... I think I would have believed them only to use that as a challenge to to go towards, you know. Um, I'm definitely a very uh, creative person that can't, can't just sit still. So I'm always doing something new. So it's not surprising to me that, you know, one of my random endeavors turned into something full time. But at the same time, it is it is weird that I, I never knew anything about cryptocurrency. And now here I am leading a company. It's it is. <laughs> definitely uh, an exciting ride. Yeah, it's definitely inspiring. And I have to ask, were there any times that you question, like, am I making the right decision to make this jump? Because it sounds like you were in like a really stable job, probably working for a large organization, right? Yeah. All the 401k benefits, right? And this is a little bit riskier, right? Oh, absolutely. And I was in a very good position in my company. I was uh, leading a brand new team. We were building a division in the company to build out data centers and that kind of thing. And that was a specialty thing that I've been gearing up towards for my whole career, basically. So things were going very well. Um, And the thing that really helped me was having this job as like the foundation, right? And, you know, I did put a ton of time, you know, full-time hours into this part-time project, Um, especially starting in October and going forward where it started to look like it was actually a thing that could take off. Um, But the thing that made it easy to do was that I had this stable job, that I was able to use that as a backup, that if this wallet company doesn't take off, I can always just be an engineer and that would be just fine. So, uh, you know, rather than playing video games and watching movies, I built the wallet and that was fun enough for me. So, you know, that, that made it easy to do the transition. And then finally, when we finally made the switch, uh, the grant money from the foundation really helped out because we basically have enough money to 
support two of our team members for two years. And for me, two years of runway is probably enough uh, to, you know, stay safe and stuff. So, you know, take the risk, but it's it was a calculated risk and I think will be pretty good. Yes, I love the term calculated risk because someone else I recently interviewed talked about life as making small bets, right? And if you kind of mitigate it, you're like, okay, well, this is a small bet. And if it doesn't work out, right, I can always go back and do something else. It's not a life-threatening thing. And take that leap of faith to just dive in and see what happens. And so I think your story is really, really inspirational. So I want to go into wallets specifically and... One, what is a wallet and why is this so important in the cryptocurrency space, but also in the broader scheme of where we're headed with Web3? Yeah, uh, Web3 is an interesting concept that I think is worth going over very quickly. If you haven't heard of it before, you might hear it and think, well, what's the big deal? Um, and what what is Web3 and what are the other ones before it? Um, and it's it's pretty easy to put it into a, a simple perspective. Web one would be the original internet, where it was basically like reading a newspaper or reading a magazine on the computer. So web one is read only. Then you move into web two, which is what we're using today, which is read and write, which means you cannot just uh, read the newspaper, but you can add your comments, right? You can look at people's Instagrams and you can post your own. You, it's a creator economy that's building now because now you can write to the internet as well as read from it. Um, and one of the big issues with Web2 right now is the question of data ownership. And this is the one that Web3 tries to solve. So, you know, when you put your personal information on Facebook, what do they do with it? Where Where is that stored? And do they sell it to people? You know, when you go on Amazon and they show you targeted ads, well, the information that they got to target you is your private information that was sold to them by some other people who gathered it. So you don't own your personal information and people are profiting off of it. So Web3 is the next step where it's read, write, and own, where we're talking about using technology to give people power over their own data. So now you own your, your personal information and you own your rights to that information. You know, you can choose not to let people use your information or you could even give your information to Amazon and then they can give you targeted ads and then pay you because you gave them your information, right? And so that's basically Web3 in a nutshell is it's all about ownership of this digital world. And a can we wallet. Pause for, can we pause yeah, there for sure. one second? Because this is yeah. so good. And I really want to make sure, like, especially we're talking to women in data here and a data audience, like this yeah. is groundbreaking for data professionals, right? I know a lot of us in this space 10 years ago were excited about like what we could do with algorithms and how it would benefit people. And then now, unfortunately, we've seen that some benefited, right? Like the fang companies benefit it, but that's all because they own the data. And so what you're talking about here is so exciting is now we can give that power back to the people. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's it's really because of the way that technology has 
has grown, uh, the, the new innovations that have come into the space that are allowing this to happen. Specifically, of course, we're talking about crypto, cryptocurrencies, crypto technology um, that lets you uh, itemize data that lets you, sorry, the, the word is um, tokenize information so that you can verify that this is the tr source of truth, that this is um, the, you can verify that it is it is a fact and everyone can trust it, right? And that's really the big thing that you can use with uh, with cryptocurrencies. But um, I think it's a super exciting time. And this is why I'm so passionate about getting more data professionals in and aware of this space, because I think it will help to solve a lot of the problems we ran into with what we are doing with early data collection and algorithms. Um, so how mm -hmm. does then the wallet fit into all this? Because that is where your specialty lies. That is where my specialty lies. Although I would love to talk about what people are doing with crypto, but we can get to that. <laughs> um, so if if uh, Web3 is about owning your data, then a wallet is where you store that data or not really store, but access. Um, so just think of, if you think about a real life wallet, in your wallet, you hold your money, you hold your uh, identity cards from the government, you hold your Starbucks uh, rewards card, you know, uh, your stamp cards from the, the coffee place, those kind of things, they all fit in your wallet. And when you need to use that information, you take it out, you present it to the person um, that needs to know it, and that's under your control. And in a digital wallet, it's basically the same thing where all of your assets and all of your information is kept in that wallet and then you have the option to show it to people as you want and we're not quite at that space where you can share your private information in a secure way and in a private way uh, but we're getting there and but we are in the situation where you can share your cryptocurrencies and you can spend money and you can trade it and that kind of thing so that's kind of the beginning of the space um, a very good analogy that i heard about uh, that I yeah that someone has told me about a wallet and blockchains is that a wallet is like a ATM machine and the blockchain is the bank. So if you think about it, the ATM doesn't actually hold any of your information. It doesn't hold your your money, but it allows you to access it, right? So that means that if you want to use a hashpack wallet to access your cryptocurrencies, you can. Or if you want to go and use another wallet, you can you can use that to access your same cryptocurrencies. The wallets themselves don't actually hold the information, which is right in uh, with the topic of owning. The wallet doesn't own your information, you do. And that information is stored on the public blockchain, which is owned by nobody, or in a sense owned by everybody, right? So that's how this all fits together. So for those who may be new to the space or already have a wallet already, and maybe they have a hashback wallet, maybe they have a different wallet. First of all, why are there so many wallets that exist? Do they work well together? If someone doesn't have a wallet, should they just start and get a wallet? How do they start to navigate this space of particularly the wallets? So, Wallets are basically your interface into the blockchain world. 
Um, it doesn't really matter which one you use. It just matters what you want to do. And then if a wallet that you chose allows you to do it, right? So Hashpack specifically only works with Hedera Hashgraph, which is a specific platform. And there are wallets that specifically work with Bitcoin and with Ethereum and all the other big names in the space. Um, and there's so many things to, to look into and learn when you get into this space um, that basically you kind of have to be willing to dive in and make a few mistakes and just learn a lot when you first start. So, you know, uh, if you want to get your feet wet in Web3, then I would suggest trying out Hashpack. It is, we've made it to be pretty user-friendly and a good experience. And then once you have your wallet, find a community that is in that space so that they can tell you, where to go and how to use it and what are the exciting things that you can do. So for example, in Hedera right now, there is a really active NFT community, which is little artwork that you can get in your wallet and it's really fun and you don't have to spend a lot of money on it. Um, and you can just like spend a little bit of money and get your feet wet and just learn about it and, and learn by trying. Yeah. So you mentioned that certain wallets work with certain chains. Do you see just the future of wallets in general from a broad perspective essentially becoming easier to interact with and exchange between different chains? Where do you see, or do you still see them being siloed in the future? Like, you know, a hashpack wallet with a Hedera chain, a Bitcoin wallet with a Bitcoin chain. Like what, what do you think yeah. that future looks like? There's, definitely a lot of value in crossing that divide and there are a lot of wallets that already do that where you can have multiple chains on a single wallet um, hashpack is single chain because we are a very small company that is growing but there's definitely plans for us to move beyond that um, but that is besides the point because really what we're talking about is the technology being fairly fractured at the moment where if you're on one, you're basically excluded from the other. But there are a lot of people and a lot of bright minds looking into how to build these things in a more robust and flexible way. Uh, and there's a lot of opportunity in building those solutions and exploring those solutions. And of course, that's all on the base layer, which is, you know, um, which is the technology, the developers, the companies, the consumers ideally shouldn't have to know any of that. When you use your Visa card and you use your MasterCard, you don't care which network you're going on. You know, if you use your Sears Visa versus your 7-Eleven Visa versus your Starbucks Visa, it doesn't really matter. But actually under the hood, there's actually all of these interlocking systems, right? And so we're at the very, very early stage, uh, the, cutting the cutting edge of technology stage where people are just starting to build that out. And so that's what makes it really exciting. So talking about exciting things happening here in the future, what does the future of Hashpack look like? And what are some of the things on the horizon that you're really excited about? Uh, that is a big question because we have so <laughs> many ways we can go. Um, the, the simple one, which is what's posted on our roadmap right now, is we're gearing up to support DeFi on Hedera, which is decentralized finances i.e. cryptocurrency trading. It's the thing that makes the news with Ethereum going up to $40,000 or 
uh, Bitcoin going up to almost $100,000 last year, right? Um, we are building that kind of infrastructure on Hedera right now. And the stuff, the, the tools that Hashpack is building is enabling companies to come onto Hedera and build that uh, infrastructure. So we're, we're really excited and we're leaders in the space and it's, it's, it's really great. But uh, I expect that in the next six months or so, we're going to start seeing swaps and decentralized exchanges and staking for tokens and all of those things that bring in a lot of hype and uh, adoption and excitement in the space and investment, of course, investment is a big one as well. So for the short term, that's what we're looking into. For the long term, there's so many ways we can go. Um, there are things like gaming NFTs. There's things like enterprise use cases, like supply chain stuff, or like building out wallets that can be then integrated into enterprise apps. Uh, the one thing that I'm really excited about is something called decentralized identity, which is all about how you you present your information online, where it's stored, and how how that's verified um, to other like websites and entities that need your information, right? Um, so yeah, those are some of the ways that we could go, and we haven't quite nailed down what our long term plans are, but I imagine it's going to be something exciting. So I'm particularly excited that you mentioned decentralized identity because this was one of the things that really got me into the blockchain crypto space last year. I don't know if I just was had a bunch of bad luck, but I kept getting my identity hacked from multiple angles through social media accounts and emails and old school accounts that I had left 10 years ago. And it really just caused me to think about where my identity has been on the internet in a place that I've lived for, you know, 15, 20 years. So what do you see as the pros with how blockchain can potentially solve some of these problems with where identity is represented on the web today? Mm -hmm. It's a very big topic, but the main thing about digital identity right now is that it's fairly centralized. Um, there's not a lot of places you can go to prove your identity. One of the big ones being email, but email is susceptible to hacking. And so now you've added in something called two-factor authentication that a lot of sites are now requiring you to use. And that means that you download a Google app and then you can then get a second piece of information to confirm your identity in addition to your email. Um, and uh, basically what we're seeing right now with decentralized identity is that there are now sort of silos where if you're part of a network, then you can use that identity to log into other networks. So a big example is uh, Google. Uh, Google accounts, right? You can log into Google from pretty much every site now supports that. Um, and Google's, Google then uh, handles the security around your identity. And you can basically prove that you are who you are using their sign-in system. Um, and this is great. And it's very convenient. And that's it's very user-friendly. But the problem is that it's controlled by Google. And if you don't want to be 
a part of their network or you don't want them controlling your information, then what options do you have? Do you go to Microsoft, which also has their own solution? Do you get an Apple account? Um, that's, all, that's all web two, right? So web three is about producing some way of verifying your identity that other people can then confirm, right? In a, in a trustable way uh, without relying on a big corporate company to uh, to confirm it for, or to hold your information. So blockchain is interesting. It's unique because you can put information on the blockchain that can be verified by everyone, but nobody owns that information. And so when we talk about decentralized identity, then we are looking at uh, blockchain as one of the big ways that we can make this happen where you can start storing information and start storing uh, credentials and such in a decentralized way and therefore allowing people to retain ownership of their identity. So this is one of the things I'm most excited about because again, I had a bunch of problems last year. I'm hoping this year is a better year and I don't have my digital identity subject to a bunch of hacking again, but mm. I wanted to circle back to um, something you mentioned at the beginning, and I wanted to make sure that we touched on it. You said, hey, there's a bunch of really cool things happening in crypto, and hoping that to just mention a few of those. Besides digital identity and what could possibly be solved here, are there a couple other key initiatives or projects that really excite you and may inspire some of our audience too? Yeah, um, there are a lot of initiatives around things called DAOs, which are decentralized organizations that or autonomous organizations that can control funds and distribute them um, in a way that isn't just controlled by one single entity, but by many people. And there is a research, I think that they are part of a university. They have recently gotten a grant to look into creating a DAO for research where they are incentivizing people to do research for them by paying them out in, in cryptocurrency um, and also using cryptocurrency as a way to uh, get people together to vote on what they find are important things to fund, right? And so this is a way of, of creating a fund that a group of interested people can then direct, uh, direct uh, funding towards initiatives that they want to invest in. Um, that's one way that people have been using cryptocurrency. Another one is with supply chain technology, where you can track a, uh, where you can track an item through its entire lifetime. So let's say you have an organic uh, good, like an avocado, you can track it from the farm through all of the supply chain, all the way to where it sits on your table. Uh, and you can verify it on the blockchain that yes, indeed, it was harvested in a certified organic farm and those kind of things. Um, those are, there's, there's a lot of different things that you can use digital identity for. There's a lot of things that you can use uh, just having a place to store information that can't be tampered with as a source of truth. So for example, on Hedera last year with COVID vaccines, one of the interesting things about COVID vaccines is they have to be stored at a certain temperature. And if they go beyond that temperature, 
then the vaccines are no good anymore. And they had sensors in those fridges that were holding the vaccines reporting back to a server um, to show that they did not go beyond the tolerance limits of the vaccine. And those were stored on the Hedera hash graph, which then becomes a source of truth. So now you know for sure that 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 those vaccines are still good and nobody tampered with the information. So there's a lot of things that you can do with that part of blockchain technology. Um, yeah. So for those people who are probably inspired by all of these use case opportunities and what can be done now, what's the best way to get into something new like this? I mean, you inspired all of us with your story and how quickly you've become a leader in this space and how well you explain everything and educate people. How do you overcome those feelings of like asking the wrong questions and feeling stupid when potentially going into a new space? I think if you just if you just accept that you don't know anything and you accept looking stupid sometimes, then it actually frees you a lot. Uh, well, it frees me a lot. I'm not afraid to be wrong and I'm not afraid to speak out and figure things out, right? And I find that when you're new in a space and you find people who know the space better than you, rather than feel intimidated by them, you can ask them for help. And most people love being treated as sources of information and as sources of authority, right? So if you make friends with the people who know stuff and you have a genuine curiosity to learn about this brand new space that you find yourself in, um, people are willing to help. And that's really the thing that's helped me learn so much in this space in such a quick time is that I just reach out and I say, hey, I don't know about this thing, but you know about it. Well, let's have a chat, you know, and you find you, I find I learn so much just from that. Yes. And I will say you practice what you preach. I mean, that's pretty much how we got connected because it's like, hey, I need a wallet for this project. Can you help me out? And you were kind enough to share your wisdom and give a lot of advice. So I can just echo your words. The community is amazing. You're amazing. And you practice what you preach, which is so fantastic. But one of the things I keep hearing from our conversation is just how important the community is in this space. I mean, the community is where you found your team. The community is where you get help and support. Mm -hmm. Any tips for people on one, how to join your community, but also like how to find their tribe. You mentioned like, yeah, you built on Hedera because like that was your community. Yeah, it's it's really like just like in real life, you know, you go to a place and you click with people immediately or you find yourself turned off or you're just kind of uncomfortable. Um, but if you keep on going out there, you're bound to find a place that clicks with you. And I think that that's really the big thing about community is there's no one size fits all, but there is a one size that fits you, right? And the way to find that is to just put yourself out there and to uh, not be afraid to be the new face in the crowd and to um, to meet new people. And if it doesn't work out, it's not a failing on yourself. You should just go and find other people who are more compatible with you, right? Um, and that's really that's really my thing, which is I just like to go out when I find something new and just meet with people who 
share my thoughts and I spend time with the people who I like and I don't spend time with the people who I don't like and it seems to work out just fine. I like it. It's a very simple equation, but it has served you well and I hope more people take it and implement it into their lives. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps us up for some of the questions today. If you're ready, we can dive into the rapid fire questions. Sure. All right. What is the song you currently have on repeat? I've got Seize the Power by Yonaka. I love it. uh, I love any powerful, engaging songs. I'm adding it to my playlist. (laughs) All right. Favorite place you've traveled? Hong Kong. Uh, which is just a a lovely place that is full of activity and there's so much good food. Happiness is? Doing things that are fulfilling, taking steps towards your goals and spending time with people you love. In the next five years, I hope to? Uh, Make Hashpack a household name. Yes! (laughs) I'm all down for that. All right. And last but not least, to me, curiosity is? The prerequisite for success. Oh, perfect. What a great way to wrap this up. Thank you, May. This has been fantastic. I am such a fan and is so inspired by what you're doing and your team's doing. And can't wait to see the next five years when you make Hashpack a household name. So yeah, we'll <laughs> it's going to be a fun journey. Thanks so much. Awesome. For, so for those who want to connect with May, we will leave her social handles in the show notes. Um, she's very active on Twitter, so I would go check that out. Um, along with the company website for Hashpack, you can go there and sign up for a wallet. If you don't have a wallet yet, I encourage you to go to Hashpack and sign up for one. It's super easy to get one free And it's a great way to get in the game. And who knows, maybe you'll be a founder in this space in a year as well. So Hashpack will get you in the game and make sure that you're ready to go. Anything else before we wrap up today? Nope. Uh, I just think that this is a great community and I'm happy to be a part of it and hope to get more involved in the future. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Remember to stay curious and keep learning and we will talk again soon. Bye everybody. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.